This is the podcast of Redemption Bible Church, where applicational preaching is a distinctive of our church. For more information, log on to redemptionfw.org. Thanks for listening. Hosea 6, 1 through 3. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up that we may live before him. Let us know and let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is sure as the dawn. He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. There's probably moments in your life where you kind of stop and say, okay, so now what? And it could be for, you know, really positive things like, uh, Hey, sweetheart, we're having twins. Okay, great. Now what? Or maybe it's for difficult things. You have cancer. Okay. So now what? Well, we've been going through the book of Hosea. I don't don't know what it's been like for you. Uh, I know that for me, it's been really personally impacting. Like, I didn't plan on doing this book. I was asked by Blackhawk to preach the book. That was all last week. I appreciate you praying for that. Uh, and then um, I decided that doing seven messages in three weeks is going to be really crazy. So we just decided as a church to focus on this book. And what I didn't expect is for God just to hit me and reveal some things to me that I really needed to see. And um, I love preaching. You know, every book of the Bible has its own special, unique um, you know, themes and whatever, but this just seemed to be especially for me something I needed at this time. And I've sensed that from you as well, so I know that God is using this, but then the question is, all right, now what? We've seen that our sin is much worse than we can imagine. Uh, we've seen that God's love is much greater than what we can understand. And so now what do we do with that? How do we function in that? Well, I want to go to the book and have the book answer that question for us because there are two times in the book where this kind of resolution, this kind of call to action happens. So I've talked a lot about the cyclical nature of Hebrew writing where they'll often just have themes that repeat over and over again. Those themes have been uh, Israel's sin, and we saw from Hosea 1, God calls that sin Whoredom, God calls that, he compares that sin to the sin of a prostitute leaving her husband for other men. That's the picture of the book of Hosea. And so we've seen that truth and that cycles through the book several times, the sin of Israel. And so does the grace. We saw that last week. God's incredible love, even though, even though we sin, even though we go after other lovers, yet he pursues, he runs after, and his love is tender, it's beautiful. And for me personally, man, that was so impacting. I don't, I I never really thought of God's love for me like a husband's love for a bride. But as I began to ponder that and think about that, it added new depths to God's incredible love. And then over and over again, we see, so God's, the sin, God's judgment, God's mercy. Then we have this, it's in Hosea 6, and similarly in Hosea 14, kind of like what God wants us to do now, that these things are true. And so let's look at this again, this is uh, Hosea 6, uh, verse number 1, God, what, what should we do? What should we do? Well, here's what we should do, come, let us return to the Lord. Will you just read those words with me? Come. Let us return to the Lord. 
Has this been impactful to you? Maybe what you need to do is return to the Lord. Now, I don't know what degree to which you need to return to the Lord, because uh, we're all in different spots. And uh, maybe, maybe some of you uh, need a crisis this morning. Here's what I mean by that. There are times in the Christian walk where it's like, okay, it all stops here. God has revealed some things to me, and I can't keep living this way anymore. I can't keep doing this anymore. I've grown cold in my walk. I'm asleep at the wheel, so to speak. It's time to wake up, time to get revived again. And God, I need this moment where I put the line in the sand, the stake in the ground, and say, no more. I'm turning back to the Lord. I'm turning back away from my sin and coming back to God. Maybe this morning you need a crisis. And there's several moments I can look back at my own life where those crisis moments have occurred. I believe that this book of Hosea has been one for me. God has used several things in my life to help me reveal some things that I needed to say no more and to turn from and to to weep and to get on my face and to say, I'm done with that. And crisis moments are needed. But after the crisis comes the process. Crisis is great for a Sunday morning, but then what does it look like on Wednesday and Tuesday? What does it look like in the process. You ever do this? You ever like have a great devotions one morning? It's like, man, I'm praying, I'm in the Bible, and oh man, God's word is so awesome, and it's saying we should love one another, we should, that all men will know you are my disciples, if you have love for one another, man, Lord, help me love everybody today, I just want to love my wife, love my kids, love my co-workers, I want to love everybody, you get in your car, and you're driving, listen to worship music, love everybody, just love everybody, and this carpal's on in front of you, hey, hey, jerk, come on, I'm driving here. <laughs> Oh, man, just that fast. That's the process, then. What do we do in the process? And I think both for crisis and for process, what we need to do is to return to the Lord. Return to the Lord. And I don't know what you need this morning. There are some of you that need a crisis. You need to put the line in the sand today. You need to put the stake in the ground. And you need to say, I'm done. I'm coming back to you, Lord. Many of you just need to be reminded about the process, whatever it is. Let's just make a motion. You could listen today. You can be a part of the sermon today. You could listen to all of this and just go away unchanged and unimpacted, no decisions made. You can do that. But do you know that if you do that, then this kind of becomes like religious entertainment? I'm just going to come and listen. Hopefully the message is good. Hopefully the worship is good. I'm just going to go on with my life. I'm going to check mark, listen to the message and all that. Got church done. Now what's next? And I don't ever want to be religious entertainment to you. I preach for a decision. And today I think for many of you, a decision needs to be made. For all of us, be a crisis or process, we need to return to the Lord. Okay, three truths to help us with that. Three to help us get that accomplished. Here's number one. Write it down. The proposal. I want you to see in the text the proposal. And what we're going to do is just land in the first part of verse one and take it apart word by word, phrase by phrase, to really get an understanding of what's going on with all of that. So the first word there is the word come. The word come. And as you think about the book of Hosea, think about the illustration being given. 
The fact that God would give an invitation, that Hosea would give an invitation as the Spirit lays on him to come back should blow your mind. And you put yourself in that position, man. Let's say that you had a spouse like Gomer who kept leaving you to seek other lovers. And now they want to come back. They've done it again and again and again. They want to come back again. I mean, wouldn't you say something like, okay, first of all, you need to stop. So first thing, stop, knock it off, no more of anybody else but me. Secondly, you've got to prove, I've got to know this isn't going to happen again. So you're not coming back yet until you show me, show me, show me. You're never going to fail again. So stop, prove, and then maybe return, come back to me. But buddy, you've you got to prove this out. And if you screw up again, even a hint of screwing up again, you're gone. Wouldn't we kind of respond that way? Wouldn't that be the expected way to respond? That's not what God does. God looks at us and he says, no, I want you to come. I want you to come. It's an invitation, a surprising invitation. But here's what you need to know about God. Now, by the way, I want to say, uh, I'm not saying that if you're in a marriage where things are going on, that those shouldn't be the steps that you would take because you're not God. <laughs> so we would have to walk through those things very carefully and very easily. But I do want to say what God does for us is he just invites us back. Because, listen now, he wants a love relationship with you. Church, hear me say it again this morning. Your God wants a personal, daily ongoing love relationship with you. It's all over the Bible. Here's a promise from James chapter 4. But he gives more grace. Therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil. He will flee from you. Let's read this last sentence together. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. God wants to be near to you. He wants to be close to you. He wants a relationship with you. And all we got to do is draw near. All we got to do is come. In fact, Jesus invites us this way, John 15. He says, abide in me, and I in you. That word abide is the word minnow in the Greek, and it means to linger, to remain, man, to hang out, just to be together. Abide in me, and I in you. I just want to be with you. We had the Boylans over to our house on uh, was it Friday night, Friday night, and they just wouldn't leave. We just kept trying to kick them out. And no, we just, we just love to be together and to hang out and to play games. And Adam and I beat the girls in the card game we played. It was awesome, right? Uh, but like that lingering, that just enjoying the company of one another. And God wants you to, listen, Jesus invites you to live just enjoying his company. He wants to be near to you. He wants a relationship with you. And so he's inviting you to come. But in our hearts, man, there is this constant push and pull. There's Jesus inviting us to come. And then there's our doubt that really is going to be satisfying enough. And our pursuit of other things that we really think are going to bring us happiness. So I really, I really want these things. And I'm doubting that you're really good enough and really satisfying enough. And this push and pull. But I'm saying to you, maybe what you need is a crisis. To say, I'm done with that. 
I'm done with that sin. I'm turning back to God. Or maybe you just need a reminder in the process of, okay, I'm doing it again, so now I'm going I'm to return. I'm going to come back to the Lord. But listen, what's holding you back? What would hold you back today from making that decision to making that commitment to return? You see the beautiful invitation, come. Then you see these words. It says, come, let us. You see it? Come, let us. Okay, so this is Hosea writing. Hosea, the one who was faithful. Hosea, the one who kept running after her again and again. And yet here he says, let us return to God. He's including himself in all of that. Why? Because he's a part of the nation of Israel, and he's a sinner too. And so what he's saying is, I'm no better. I need to return as well. This is something we need to do together. Say that with me. This is something we need to do together. And this is something that's just somewhat foreign in our Western culture and thinking because we're such individualistic. We just we love ourselves and our thing, and we kind of imagine us and and you know it's just us, and we got this kind of solo thing going on. But in the Eastern culture, it is so much more familial. It's so much more tribal. This is my tribe. These are my people. And if I do it, I want them to do it as well. This should be a group thing. And that's seen uh, in several places in Scripture. This is Ephesians chapter 17. I want to read this first portion to you. You listen as I read this, and, and, and we'll talk about it in a minute. So uh, Paul says to uh, the church at Ephesus, uh, here's his prayer. He's praying for them, and he prays this, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the height, and a depth, to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And you read that, and you think, okay, it's God talking to me, and i got to make this decision. It's not really involving anybody else. It's just me and God. But do you know the reality is all those uh, yous in this text are all plural yous, all plural nouns? So how that should read is, so that Christ may dwell in our, all of our hearts, through faith. That you, church, collectively, us as a family, would be rooted and grounded. It's so much more. I gotta think about my neighbor. I gotta think about those around me. I gotta think about the tribe that I'm a part of. That we would have the strength to comprehend with all the saints. That we would know the love of Christ together. That we would be filled collectively uh, with the knowledge and the fullness of God. And I believe it's to the church. I believe that when we say, let's return, we should all return. Let's just say, let's all return. Say it together. Let's all return. Now, Pastor, are you stretching that to make that the church when we really shouldn't be the church? Well, Ephesians 3, 20, 21, help me out along that way, where he says this. Very next verse is, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be glory in the church. And in Christ Jesus for all generations forever and ever. Amen. It's something we do together. Say that with me. It's something we do together. Look at your neighbor and say, let's do this together. What are we doing? We're returning to the Lord. We are. What is revival? But a group of people deciding to return to the Lord. What is revival? But a group of people saying, we're going to return to the Lord. Does our city need revival? Does our country need revival? I could say, well, it starts in the church, and that's true. 
But really, it starts in you, and then if you, and you, and you, and you return, then we all return. It's like that person who said, drew a circle on the, the, the ground, stood in the circle and said, Lord, bring revival and bring it here. And we need that revival, and maybe you need that revival, but it's a thing that God will do collectively together. We're excited about that. So let us, and then write this down. This is awesome. Let us return. Let us return. Uh, I want to dive into that word a little bit this morning. It's one of the most often used words in the Old Testament, in fact. It's used over a thousand times. This word return is used over a thousand times in the Old Testament. Now listen carefully. It's used more than almost any other word when it's describing God's desire for his people. The word is to return. So what does God want his people to do, church? He wants them to return. (laughs) Because our hearts are fickle, man. We are idle factories. And so often we'll wander after something else. Again and again, And God says, what I want you to do is to come back. What I want you to do is to return. To believe again that you're a sinner again. To believe again that his love is greater again. And then just come back to him. Are you aware? Do you kind of have your feelers up, your radar on throughout the course of a day? Like, what's got your heart? That's a really good question. Like, stopping at any moment and saying, okay, right now in this moment, what's got my heart? What has my heart? You might be surprised at the answers you'll find throughout the day. Uh, I know for me, it's like if I'm having a rough morning, I know I've told you this before, but if I'm having a rough morning, and maybe my staff is really treating me poorly, you can just pray for them, would you, that they would just just treat me nicer. And uh, whatever the case is, and I'm like, man, it's a bad morning. Oh, wait, but we're going to go to Mercado's and get some good tacos for lunch today. Yeah. What's, what's captured my heart? Tacos. I mean, they're really good. Mercado's tacos are awesome. I should see if I can get some kind of a sponsored deal if I say that I get free tacos or something. But point is, is that like it captured my heart or I'm driving and, and I'm feeling down. And so what's going to bring me hope? What, what am I going to say to myself that will bring me hope? What you're telling yourself that will bring you hope and joy and happiness again is what's got your heart. The psalmist said, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Return, return to the Lord. Now, I want to look at not all a thousand times where that came up. I would do it if I had the time. I would look at every single time it's used. But we're going to do this. Just going to look at Hosea where this word return is used in the book of Hosea. Here's Hosea 4, 5, which says this. Their deeds did not permit them to return to their God. Their deeds did not permit them to return to their God. Interesting. So there were some sins in their life, man, some things that they were doing, and they really liked doing them. They had some pet sins, some habits, and they were like, I don't, want, I don't want to stop that. I really like that. That's fun to do. And I don't want to go back to God if i got to give this up. Hey, are there some pet sins that are keeping you from returning to God? Are there some habits that you don't want to let go of? Not really. When the, when the heat is on, the pressure is there, it's just you that you want to you keep coming back to it again and again. Do you, do you need to say, no more? done with that. It's time for a crisis. It's time to stop it and go back to the Lord. Don't let your deeds keep you. Another verse in Hosea says this, using the same word return, Hosea 7.10 says this, the pride of Israel um, testifies to his face. 
Yet they do not return to the Lord their God, nor seek him for all of this. Their pride, their pride. Oh, man, I'm not going to turn back to God again. I've done it before. I've made the big thing. I've gone forward in church. I did all that, and I fell again, and I screwed up again. I don't want to go back again. People are going to think I'm stupid. People are going to question me. My wife may not like that. And whatever it is that keeps us from returning to God, what is it? Your pride, pet sins, what is it? Don't let your pet sins keep you from returning. Don't let your pride keep you from returning. We need to return to the Lord. So we see the proposal come. Let us return to the Lord. Let's keep reading to get the next point. We're going to take a look at the rest of uh, verse number 1. Let your eyeballs fall on it. Hosea 6, 1, come. Let us return to the Lord. Check this out. For he has torn us that he may heal us. He has struck us down and he will bind us up. What I love about this is God knows the heart of men. And so when God says, come, return to the Lord, there are many who would say, really because he hurt me. He allowed some things that were really hard. And why would I go back to a God who did that? So after hearing the proposal, you need to understand the purpose. The purpose What's, what's going on with this? The words here are really descriptive. The word torn uh, is used of a lion tearing apart its prey. So what, what, YouTube that later and see how violent and ugly that is. Actually, don't. I mean, maybe. It's kind of cool, but you need to have a good stomach before you do it. He has struck us down. That word struck is repeated blows. And so you look at this and you say, okay, so who, who, who's doing the tearing? Who's doing the striking? It's God. Now, that can really trip you up unless you do some investigation and think about it and compare Scripture with Scripture. Because specifically in this text, he's talking about the discipline of the Lord. This is God coming along the nation and bringing his discipline. And let me ask you, is discipline, is it fun? Is it enjoyable? The Bible itself says no discipline is enjoyable in the moment. I don't know about you, but I never giggled when my daddy spanked me, all right? Now, my daddy spanked me, not like today, oh, Jimmy, you bad boy, you know, not like that. It was, it was, uh, I mean, my brother got it much worse, but I mean, I mean, it was, it was rough. It was painful. So this, it's not, it's not enjoyable, but God says this in Hebrews 12, 6, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastens every son whom he receives. The Lord disciplines everyone he, what church? Loves. 
And I love Psalm 119, which is a psalm, a long psalm, the longest psalm in the Bible, all a love song about God's word, God's laws, God's statutes. And the Bible says this in Psalm 1967, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Before you disciplined me, God, I went astray, but now I keep your word. So yes, sometimes the pain in life is the discipline of the Lord. That's true. But not all pain is authored by God. I think it's really important to understand that, to say all pain is authored by God or from the hand of God is a theological overstatement. Because all I got to do is think about like the book of Job. Was God doing the smiting and the, that was the enemy of God doing that. And sometimes the enemy brings in pain. And sometimes it's just the fact that we're part of a sin-cursed world. And I've told you before, but when we were, Courtney and I got married between our uh, sophomore and junior year of college, um, and uh, we got married, and it was was awesome. I got to say, it was the best decision I made. My grades dramatically increased after I got married, because Courtney would be like, "Um, shouldn't you be studying right now? Uh, Right, yes, yes, I should be studying right now. And so my grades got a lot better as I got married to her. But um, we ended up um, unexpectedly getting pregnant our senior year. So we were married uh, junior year. Our senior year, Courtney was expecting. And in fact, she was going to graduate like really pregnant, and then we were going to have our baby. And uh, But we were going in for uh, the ultrasound uh, to kind of like a first ultrasound. We're past the uh, second trimester. We're going to be able to see, you know, like what's going on with this. Uh, past the first trimester, say, going to be able to see like well, what's going on, what the sex is. And, you know, it's exciting. We're all walking in. We're all excited. The nurse is excited. We're excited together. And, and uh, do you guys want to know? Yeah, we want to know for sure. And she's looking, and all of a sudden she gets quiet. And she's not talking. And we're like, huh, <laughs> oh, what's going on? She says, look, I, um, you need to see a doctor, so we're going to make an appointment. He's not here right now, but we're going to have you go and see him. He's over at the hospital. And so they made an appointment, and we were nervous, obviously, try to eat lunch. We go into the hospital. He puts the ultrasound on her belly, and he says, your baby has passed away. And baby died in the womb. And we had to deliver that stillborn child, and that was very, very, very painful. Um, you guys know that we stood across the street as our house burned to the ground in 2017. And, and why? Why is all of that? And you can let your mind, is this the chastening hand of God? Is, is this the enemy? Is this just like sin-cursed world? I mean, I didn't believe the label when it said, if you put all these rags, they can spontaneously combust. I didn't believe it. I put them in the garbage. They can spontaneously combust it. Why is that? It's a sin-cursed world. Sinful things happen. Horrible things happen. And you can, in your mind, go round and round as to who did this and who caused all of this. And here's what I want to say to you. God loves you through it all. God is not the author of sin. And sometimes it's the enemy. And sometimes it's our, it's our, it's our sin. And sometimes it's... And you can go round and round about that. But oh, here's what I want you to know. Look at the text. There's a reason behind the pain. He has torn us. Why, church? Look at your text. He has torn us. Why? That he may heal us. Sometimes an arm doesn't get set right. It's got to be broken to be healed properly. If there's a tumor, it needs to be cut out. 
and it, it's painful, but God is taking all of it, the good, the, the, the sinful, the all of it, all of it, all of it, all of it. God is at work through it. God is at work through the pain. He will redeem the pain. Say that with me, if you would. He will redeem the pain. Say it one more time. He will redeem the pain. And I know some of you will walk through hard things, and that's hard to, hard to imagine, but he will redeem that pain. Because there's a reason behind it. In fact, Scripture tells us this in Romans 8, 28 and 29. And we know that all things work together for good. For what, church? For good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose, for whom he foreknew, he predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that we may be the firstborn among many brethren. It's a beautiful passage, but it says, man, God will redeem it. And he'll take whatever is going on in your life, and he'll take it for good, and he'll redeem it, and he'll be near to you, and he will, he will he'll come near to the brokenhearted. He will bind the wounds. He will love you tenderly through it all. And no matter how hard it gets and how hot it gets or the reason behind it, God's hand is always on the thermostat. No matter how hot it's getting, God's hand is on the thermostat. Let me prove that to you with 1 Corinthians 10.13. They need to understand the word temptation doesn't necessarily mean that God is tempting us to sin or not sin. The word is literally trial. So uh, now, are we tempted in our trials to sin? Yes. Uh, but uh, the word is broader than that. It's any trial. So it says there, no trial has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tested beyond what you are able, but will, with the testing will also make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. God's got his hand on the thermostat, and you can believe that he's going to turn this for his good, and he's going to do something. So then what should we do with all of that? So first of all, we just pause and say, I love you, and I know Some of you have been through some real heartaches, some real pain. And the testing of that pain, the the pain you have felt has made you doubt if God is really good and really loving. When I was preaching this at Blackhawk this week, a little girl afterwards came up to me and she said, how can I believe that God loves me? Because he's taken away some things that I love. And there was someone special to her in her life who was dying of cancer. I was so glad she was real with me and we prayed together. But I, it's, just, it's just how our hearts work. Like we can really question God's goodness. So I want to say to you, I'm sorry for the pain. But there's a challenge here in the text that I want to say. You need to trust the Lord through it. Uh, the saying is this. God is too wise to be mistaken, too loving to be unkind. When you can't know his mind, always trust his heart. I want to encourage you to trust his heart because there, there, there's something that you need to know. After two days, he will revive us. On the third, he will raise us up. It's coming to an end. Your pain won't go on forever. Your trial is coming to an end. Trials have an end date. And I want you to know God is going to show up and relieve that. Uh, write this reference down. Write down First uh, Peter 5.10. And I want you to look it up later. I'm just not thinking about it. If I had thought about it earlier, it would be on a slide. But First Peter 5.10, which says, After you have suffered a while, the God of all grace will himself establish and strengthen and confirm you. God is going to show up in the trial, and he's going to do that work in it. So know that. And then our response should be uh, chapter, uh, verse number 3. Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. 
So I want to encourage you, even in the pain, press on to know the Lord. Even in the moments of, God, what are you doing? What you should do is return to the Lord and press on to know him. And lastly, I want you to see this. You have the proposal, you have the purpose, and then I want you to see now the promise. I want your eyes to fall on the promise. This is now uh, the end of verse number three, and I want you to see this with me. Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. Check this out. His going out is as sure as the dawn. Isn't there a part of your heart that's like, if I do this, and I have this crisis moment where I just say, God, I'm coming back. Will he really meet me there? Will he really show up for me? Well, did the sun rise this morning? Did it rise this morning? <laughs> I don't know. I'm unaware. <laughs> it did. <laughs> Is it going to rise tomorrow? Yes. Are you sure? Well, some of you have read too many sci-fi novels and what someone blows up the sun. Well, okay, it's not going to. <laughs> no one's blowing up the sun. <laughs> Is the sun going to rise tomorrow? And on Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday, just as sure as the sun is coming up tomorrow, your God is going to meet you when you return. You don't seek and not be found. God finds you. God comes to you. The assurance of revival. God will come. God will come. And then you have... The abundance of revival. Look at this. This is so beautiful. Let us know. Let us press on to know the Lord. For his going out as sure as the dawn, he will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. It's February 13th now. How many of y'all are ready for some spring showers? Can I get a witness? The, uh, the snow would have been super awesome on December 23rd. I'm, I'm kind of ready for some spring rains. Because you know, you've experienced spring rains. In Israel, it rains twice. It rains really hard in the fall, and then it rains again really hard in the spring. And, and the spring rains are the ones, you can imagine, we, hit, we have it here too, that melt all the snow, that wash away all the the grime, the filth, the dirt. And then from that comes from the ground new life. Come on, guys, come up, Adam. New life, new flowers. The beauty of all of that comes after the spring rains come. And this is the promise of what God will do for you if you come and return to the Lord. He will show up and he will be like the spring rains that water the earth. He will show up for you. Will will he really forgive me again? Yes. Does he still love me even though? Yes. And more than you can imagine. Where sin abounded, you know what the Bible says? His Grace abounded all the more. Listen, when God comes, it's not a little sprinkling 
When God comes, it's not scattered showers. When God shows up, it's a deluge of grace and love and mercy. And to get that deluge in your life, what you need to do is to come and return to the Lord. And there are some of you in this room this morning that know you need that crisis moment. You need to say, I am done with the pet sins. I am done with the pride. I've let my heart grow cold again. And I've got to come back to God again. And if that's you this morning and you know you need that, then you need to come. I can't preach a message and not invite you to come. And so as we sing this next song, if God is laying that on your heart and you know you need that crisis moment, then act. Do something. Step out of your seat and come up here and kneel and pray. Because sometimes we need that line in the sand. Sometimes we need that stake in the ground. Sometimes we need that moment to say, I'm coming back, God. I'm coming back and I'm coming back to you. Do you need that? What's going to keep you from coming? What if other people see it? Well, they will. Maybe we need some accountability. What if I go back to the sin? You probably will. That's the process, and we'll come alongside you and help you in the process. We have people or training to help you in the process. Don't let pride delay you or keep you from making that step. Step out from where you are and to come and to kneel. Now, if you're here this morning, you say, okay, well, I've recently had one of those. I mean, I really have. My heart is where it needs to be with that. Then it's time to live out the process. I think the process involves these three things. You need to remember what God has done. Remember that you're a sinner. Remember that he loves you still. And then to repent. Repent means to turn. I'm going to turn away from my sin. And I'm going to return to the Lord. Remember, repent, return. Say a few things with me if you would. Remember, repent, return. So I've got my great worship on. I'm singing my love songs to Jesus. A guy cuts me off and I cuss him out. What do I do? I remember. Okay. Yes, I'm a sinner. Of course I did that. Yes, God loves me still. God, forgive me for that anger and that sin, that selfishness in my heart, and I'm coming back to you. I'm coming back to you. Remember, repent, return. Those are things we do in, in process. Now I'm going to pray. And I want you to do your business with God this morning. If you're in this room and you know, I need, I need to give this to God. I need that crisis. I need that line in the sand. I need that moment to say, I'm done. And as this song is being sung, just step out from where you are and come up here and kneel and pray. And though your church family are praying for you, your church family is praying with you, and you're not in this alone, though it may feel like it in the moment, just trust the Lord and return to him. So God, we give it to you. We thank you for your amazing love. We thank you for this book in the new ways we've seen our sinfulness, the new depths we've seen it, but also, Father, the new ways we've seen your love as a husband loves his wife, a tender, caring, protective, beautiful love. God, help us to live in that, and Lord, help us to return to you. I know there are some that need a moment right now. Don't let their pride stand in the way, God. Break through that pride. God, I know there are some that need to come back to you again. Let today be the day they say, I'm coming back. And we're going to give you the praise in Christ's name. Amen. If you need it, come kneel and pray. Let's sing together.